Welcome, everybody. It's time to start cruising into a better financial future with your host, Kim Cruz. Everybody, it's time to go cruising into a better financial future with your host, Kim Cruz. Good afternoon, everybody. Yes, I am Kim Cruz. I'm a wife, a mom, daughter, sister, friend, entrepreneur, and business owner of Cruz Credit Consulting, but not necessarily in that order. I do have over 30 years experience in corporate America and a passion for helping people succeed in all areas of their life. I'm joined by my great friend, Adam Strum. He is the brains behind this production, and he is a former corporate executive, the owner of Financial Rescuers and co-owner of U.S. Financial Alliance, and a 20-year veteran of helping people get out of debt and improve their financial health. Together, we review our listeners' financial problems and address them with our experience, our tips, tricks, and resources of network referrals to help you cruise into a better financial future. Adam? I'm out of breath listening to you. <laughs> uh, I'm so excited you, for thank today. Thank you, Kim. Um, I, I, always, I always feel so big when you introduce me that way. Yes, I am the co-owner of USFA, which you can see right behind me here. Um, I own a business consulting firm called On Target Strategies. Uh, I was the owner of Financial Rescuers, which is part of the USFA network. Uh, proud to be your co-host every week, no doubt about it. And very proud of you for this week, just to make quick mention of it. Um, a very big name in, you, in um, Facebook land and in Instagram land, Heather Dulaney, who is an influencer, um, had you on her show to talk about credit. Yes, that was a great segment. It, oh. it was, um, she, she, what was so nice is that she appreciated the information that we could provide her. So it was a lot of fun. Oh, I had fun watching it. And for those of you that haven't seen it, it's on the YouTube channel. Just look for Kim and Heather. It is. And I would suspect that we are going to be referring back to her audience quite often because we have so much more information that we could give in what I was able to provide in just that 10 minute segment. Yep, so it was it was amazing how much info was packed in that because I did watch the whole video. And I have to say, personally, I love what both of you do. Both of you are very big in the women's empowerment movement. And there's nothing better for America, in my opinion, than having equal footing amongst all people in this country. And that leads me in to talk about our guest this week, that smiling face that's on the screen with us right now, Mr. Stephen Clava. Uh, Mr. Kleva is a crowdfunding expert. Uh, mm -hmm. He runs a fund called the Kleva Fund where he is on a crusade to help small businesses remain open and not have to go under during this crazy pandemic that we've been going through. Stephen, it's our pleasure to have you this week. Please tell everybody a little about yourself. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, I, I love I love the show here. It's, it's a great format and I think you guys are bringing some great stuff to the world. So um, as far as me, yeah, the, the Clava Fund, I created it uh, kind of during the pandemic. I, I released it during the pandemic. I, I started a little bit before, but uh, I just wanted to kind of have an easy way to create funding um, campaigns for anybody. So it was really kind of the antithesis of that. And I had put some new tools in it, such as a QR code and uh, some grassroots tools that really make it kind of unique and cool. And uh, I have like, yeah, the hashtag is your fund. 
uh, unique fund identifier versus like a big long URL uh, that a lot of them do right now. So I kind of updated how fundraising can happen with technology. And uh, so I wanted to bring that to the world. And right now, you know, I'm really, really horrified about all these small businesses being, um, you know, not getting enough business uh, due to the pandemic. And I want to try to help save them. Yeah, um, they're, they're not qualifying for the PPP funds they need in order to mm -hmm. stay open. They're barely treading water. Um, and everyone should know that the Clava Fund is 99% an app. Um, it's, uh, is it available on both platforms, Apple and Google? Absolutely. So, you know, iOS and Android, the Play Store and the, uh, the App Store, you can find it, Clava Fund, K-L-A-B-A-F-U-N-D. Excellent. Excellent. Awesome. We're really proud to have you with us today. And, and the Crusade you're on is really helping people all over the country. There's no doubt about that. Uh, people don't know a lot about crowdfunding. And it's amazing <laughs> that someone over the age of 20, which you are and I am and Kim is, <laughs> knows this stuff. Um, you'd be surprised how technolo technologically behind people over 40 are. <laughs> I am so excited to have him on. It's just amazing to me how many people uh, that are 40 and above don't understand the whole idea of crowdfunding or GoFundMe or the Clava Fund or any of these. And because they don't understand it, they don't use it as a resource. And it, it, it's a tremendous resource for just about everything that you might need funding for. Not everything, but just about everything. Yes. And, and so, you know, I look forward to discussing that with you as we go through our questions today. And I believe Kim has something really important to say here. So I'm going to pass the ball to her. Well, you know, as I was doing our research and I was looking through your website, I mean, right off the bat, I could think of six people that can benefit from exactly what you're doing. So I, I'm excited. I'm excited for today's segment, and I know that it is going to help so many people. So we have one order of business to take care of, and we're going to start with our news of the week before we get into this exciting topic that we're going to talk to Mr. Clava about. So I chose an article this week that comes out of creditcards.com, and it's not specifically uh, tailored to credit or debt. It's tailored to something that is a disaster in this country at this point in time. Um, what I learned reading this article is that one in four women have been in a physically abusive relationship. That's 25%, which is just an insanely high number. And one of the major reasons women don't leave their abusive relationships is they feel financially trapped. And that's how it relates to what we're doing here today. They feel financially trapped because usually the abuser keeps them financially trapped. They don't want them earning their own money. If they do, they want them depositing it into a joint account where they control the account and keep the debit card. Uh, the article I'm speaking of is available at creditcards.com, and I'm going to put a link to it uh, down underneath this video, uh, the same place where you'll find all of Stephen's information. Uh, it'll all be there in the description of the video for you, but I wanted us to all discuss the different reasons that, that women stay in an abusive relationship. Everyone thinks that they just have some sort of death wish, and that's not it. There are traps set by the abuser that keep women from leaving. Um, some of it is fear. Some of it is, is health-related or children-related, but the major reason women don't leave is they don't think they can fend for themselves if they do. And they need to know that the resources are out there. Uh, Kim and I specifically are working with a woman in this very position this week. 
and we're working as a team together. Our two companies are working together to help this woman plan out how she's going to get out of this once and for all so that there are no mistakes made and she doesn't slip back. All right, so let's start with um, Kim. Give give your opinion about it, this. It was such a powerful message in this article. Basically, there is help available for women in these situations, and it gives so much information from getting your financial house in order before you make that step. Even a comment that says, you know what, try to do this safely but secretively because you don't want that information out to your abuser. Hey, I don't need you anymore. I'm set. I'm leaving. Oftentimes that causes more abuse. So it gives you a step-by-step -step guide as to how to prepare yourself for that situation. It also gives you resources available to you if you're in this situation. And this struck me so powerfully because of our client that we're working with she's doing everything right. And it was actually her that said, I have to get this all situated so that by the time I tell him we're done, I'm leaving, I have everything in line. And, and Adam, we're gonna do a full segment on just this topic and maybe have one of our guest speakers tell her story. Of course, she can remain anonymous. Oh, definitely, we'll have her on just as a speaker with no picture, happily. I have a couple. You're helping me with both of them at the moment, actually. There are two of them that have come to yeah. us with this. and. We will happily, if you call Kim or me, if you're in a re, an abusive relationship, all right, let me, let me preface this. I don't talk about this. I have a background in psychology. Um, Kim knows this. Uh, we don't talk about it on air very often, but I am a counselor and I do counsel people. I am a spiritual counselor as well as a professional counselor. And I can tell you right now that if you are in a relationship where you do not feel safe, that's the quickest, easiest way to tell if you're in a psychologically abusive relationship or a physically abusive. If you don't feel safe with your significant other, whether you're male or female, you don't feel safe with your significant other, it's time to start thinking about planning a new future. Kim can tell you she's been married a long time. I've been married for 23 years that when I go home, I feel I'm in the safest place I can be. And I believe Kim feels the same way. Absolutely. After 25 years, I'm here for a reason. Yep. <laughs> You've got two years on me. <laughs> but, but the fact is, that's the whole point of home. Home is supposed to feel safe. And it's mental abuse if you don't feel safe in your home, even if you're not being physically abused. And so it's time to analyze, is it worth it? If you don't have the safe space, you're always going to be on edge. You're going to cause yourself health issues over the mm -hmm. long term. And being a counselor, I've counseled couples where both people were abusive to one another. Uh, and and it, doesn't, it doesn't help matters. And yes, there sometimes can be a meeting and a reconciliation and things can get better if you have a disinterested third party help. But most of the time, you're going to need to build a life that you didn't think existed that's out there for you. And that's what our current client is doing. She's already set up this whole new path of life at 40 plus years old and she knows what she wants, which is great. She's taken the time to analyze her life and where she wants to go. Uh, Steven, do you have any, any comments you'd like to add to this? No, I think, you know, I think it's definitely um, something that has to be addressed and people that are in bad situations, you know, they need to either find help or figure out how to get out of it. And, you know, like don't stay in that situation, especially if you're fearful of your life, 
or your kid's life or, you know, anything like that. I think it's something that really um, you need to take charge of and, and find experts that can help you. Okay. I agree wholeheartedly. And, and both Kim and I, you have our number. Our numbers appear every week under our videos. If you're in this situation, we both have the resources to guide you in no matter what state you're in mm -hmm. to where state resources are available, both financial, housing, childcare, all of that is available in every single state by more than one organization. So don't think there's no help out there. There's lots of help out there. You just have to ask for it. Exactly. So great art article. Thanks for bringing that to our attention, Adam. I know that it'll be really beneficial for a lot of our audience. I've known a few people in that situation. So when I read this, it really struck me hard. And one of them was a family member. And thank God she has moved on with her life. She's doing really well. And her ex is literally restrained from ever speaking to her. And mm -hmm. it's, it's worked. It took time, but it has worked. All and right. stay tuned for a full segment on that topic from us. Oh, no doubt. That's coming probably late spring, early summer. We're going to do a whole, whole episode on just that. Now, let's get into some fun. Because we have an expert in a very specific financial sector, uh, Kim and I spent hours choosing our questions based on our expert this week. And so we're going to go into our five questions and uh, I'm going to throw out the first one and I'm going to throw it out directly to you, Stephen. Um, and I believe uh, this first question comes from, let's see here, uh, doo -doo -doo -doo, into the mailbag. This is from Terry in Indiana. And she wants to know what is crowdfunding and how can it help me? Yeah, so crowdfunding takes on many flavors. So right now you can crowdfund and get donations and that's kind of like a GoFundMe or like mine is a, as a, that type of uh, platform where you get just donations. Um, you have other places where you can crowdfund for equity. So um, there was, you know, the recent laws changed by the Obama administration where people can actually give money to a, uh, a crowdfunding initiative and actually get a piece of equity for it. So those are a little bit more difficult and there's, uh, they're out there, but um, they haven't gained as much popularity as I thought they would. Um, you know, I think people just are a little bit scared and, and trying to fund a startup in that way and, and, and manage that equity part of it. So. Right. And um, there's a lot of legalities in that uh, as opposed to just buying stock in a company, which is very set in stone and everybody understands how it works and how many shares they hold and, Absolutely. Um, so, so a yeah. little bit different. Um, and, then, and then there's just different ways of telling the story about your need. So you have like um, the, the, the Kickstarters or the Indiegogos of the world. And these are uh, places where you can kind of create a campaign and you give like prizes to people that give you, uh, you know, a, a, some money for, your, for helping your company out. And they set a goal, like on Kickstarter, you set a goal. And if you meet the goal, then you you get the money. If you don't meet the goal, then you don't, and they refund you the money. So, it's it, it can be it can be interesting, but it's for those sometimes it's uh, it takes a lot of effort to set those up, and you have to have kind of a marketing um, um, hat, you know, to, so to speak, to kind of do that kind of stuff. And um, you know, my mine as well. You can kind of do that, but I don't have any way or means to tell your story on my app. Um, so I'm, my app is a little bit different from all others that I'm really, you're going to take your story to your social networks or to your supporters directly. Uh, if you have a news newsletter on your email, you know, like you can do that. Or if your website, 
that's kind of where you tell your story. So that's kind of the difference of mine to all of those is that the storytelling is on you when you use a claim of fund and it's on you to kind of go out there and get the people to get excited about it um, kind of thing. Uh, the other thing that I found, um, you know, recently was an, uh, an ifundwomen.com. Now ifundwomen.com is kind of a cool, it's just, it's like a little bit like a Kickstarter, but they also um, allow for grants and, and those kind of funding initiatives towards, uh, you know, what, what your needs are. So they can actually help you out in a couple different ways. So those are kind of the, the landscape of like crowdfunding at the moment. Okay. okay. This is awesome. We're going to do a little bit different format because this is all new to me. So this is really valuable information. Normally we do a little round table on our answers, <laughs> but um, I'm going to be doing a lot of the questions and rather than giving the answer. So this is great. Um, and the okay. grants to the women, that's, that's de definitely different. So. Well, it's funny because um, Stephen said it's my turn, I guess. Um, uh, Stephen said there's a lot of different flavors to crowdfunding. It's a very big field, to be honest with you, from uh, GoFundMe, which is now in its, what, eighth year, I think, eighth or ninth year. Uh, they're huge. Everybody knows who GoFundMe is, but there's mm -hmm. about 15 platforms just like GoFundMe. And all of them are there for all different types of things. I mean, you can fundraise for medical expenses. You can fundraise to build a home. You can fundraise to, you know, and you'd be surprised. Um, you know, I've watched as some of these campaigns, we want to build our first house. Mm -hmm. And this is what they throw up there. We want to build up. We've lived in an apartment all our lives. It's too small. We're having another baby and we can't afford to buy a home. Mm -hmm. And they're just mm -hmm. asking for some help. Mm -hmm. And what their hope is, is, uh, this is what's amazing to me about crowdfunding. And the question was, what is crowdfunding? And here comes my answer. It's a way to have a lot of people give you very little so that you can reach the goal you need. Mm -hmm. That's the, the definition I would use. And that's why crowd is the first word in crowdfunding. Because let's say a million people look at your uh, your. I don't know what you'd say, your advertising, your, your, your campaign, your need, mm -hmm. right. A million people look at it and only one out of a hundred says, yeah, I'll give a dollar to that. Well, one out of a hundred and a million means you just got yourself. Do you know what the number is, Kim? Give me a calculator. <laughs> <laughs> you, just a 10, <laughs> you just got $10,000. You just got, you just got $10,000. Yes. And so you can raise that kind of money if you're visible. And like Steven said, the visibility part is half on you and half on the company sometimes or all on you, like with the Clava Fund, where you can make yourself as visible or invisible as you want. If you're mm -hmm. going to Snapchat, Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and all the social media outlets, all 194 of them, um, you're going to be very visible. And you'll reach, the bigger the audience you reach, the bigger the crowd that's going to say, yeah, I'll give $5 to that. And $5 exactly. is less yep. than a Starbucks coffee. But when you have 10,000 people give $5, mm -hmm. you have enough, not only for the down payment, but you might be able to buy a home outright, mm -hmm. <laughs> a small and outright, especially here in Arizona where, you know, homes average about 180,000. And I know we're going to get more in detail about Steven's app, but it also has the hashtags on it. 
so you can search those hashtag hashtags and find the story behind that campaign. Correct. So I really like that. Yeah, so that was part of my updating. And, and, and the, really the story is the important part with any, any fundraising initiative. You know, you go to any fundraiser that has been in the industry for a long time and the story is really, really important. So, and then getting that out of your socials with the hashtag, I think, yeah, it's, it's, it makes it uh, a, a lot, you know, a little easier for people to find it. Um, you know, I just had an idea that I would like to do, Stephen, with your permission is I have a very good friend of mine that just lost her son and she's doing a, she's um, developed a nonprofit organization and I'm, without giving too much information about her, I'd like to maybe do a 10, 15 minute segment with you and her explaining how the Clava Fund can help her with her organization. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I'm going to set that up right after this and I think it would be huge. It would kind of put the wheels in motion and somebody can see it firsthand as to how it works. I'll go a step further. At some point, I want to sit down and find out if the Clava Fund can help cruising into a better financial future, expand our technology so that we can provide more info and better videos to people. So, you know, we have a good story, number one, where we come from, what we're doing and how we're trying for free to educate the general public on credit and, and wealth issues. Uh, I foresee that that would be something people might want to invest a few dollars in here and there, and maybe mm -hmm. we can get some crowdfunding going to improve our channel and, and get ourselves more watchers and, and more people learning about how to improve their financial futures. So I want to talk to you about that. So Stephen, <laughs> you're going to be a very busy man the next couple of weeks. We well, are going to again, be very busy. You, not yeah, that you haven't you. been. Um, yep. Only busy people drink from mason jars. So um, I pay attention to everything. Uh, now, that being said, Kim, you get to ask the next question, even though you might not be able to answer it, because like you said, you're learning in this episode. Yep. But uh, you get so, to throw out that next question. Yes. Jim in Tennessee, when he found out we were going to do this segment on crowdfunding, he wanted, wants to know, are there tax consequences when doing GoFundMe or other crowdfunding sources? Well, I'll give I'll give a short answer. Hang on, okay. I'll give a really short answer so that you can really get into the meat of it. And and the short answer is, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that the standard answer for so many things that we question? Because of the way the, the way money works in America, pretty much any expenditure you're going to make, it depends. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's what happens here. I'll let Stephen expound on this though, because he probably knows this a lot better than I would. Yeah, so I, I mean, really, um, if you're going to get um, crowdfunding sources, it's it's similar to winning the lottery. So um, you are getting money, and it's kind of an income source. So for any funds that that go through, like a GoFundMe or or me or any of these crowds, you get a 1099 miscellaneous. Um, now, if you're if you're a non for profit and you raise the funds, then obviously that goes through your nonprofit, and you probably don't have to owe any or no taxes on it because it's a donation towards some cause that you've done. Um, but it, it, it depends on, on even that because if you're raising funds that's not necessarily a donation for your nonprofit, then sometimes they owe money. So it's, uh, it's really kind of, uh, you have to really go to your tax advisor uh, once you get your 1099 and say, how do I handle this? And, and for most cases in the Clava Fund, if it's just a general person, 
It's a 1099. It's a, you know, it's a miscellaneous income source. And so you got to, you kind of got to make sure that you, once you get your money, make sure you put away enough that you can pay off the taxes for it. You know, don't spend it all in one place type of thing. Right. Um, I recommend 30% as a safe harbor, roughly. If, if you put 30% away into a savings account somewhere and let it sit till tax time, the odds are you, if you do owe anything more than that, it's not going to be a significant amount. And you may have more than you need to pay the tax, depending on deductions that your tax advisor can find you. Now, yeah, if you are a, a licensed 501c3 or 501c4, which are our charitable organizations out there, you got to be careful because if you're crowdfunding for something that is not part of your charter, then it doesn't fall into your, this is what Stephen was trying to explain earlier. It doesn't fall into your non-tax status. Your tax exempt status only qualifies if you're doing something that is part of your charity's goals or, or your, your charter for your charity. I know I sit on the board of directors of a charity in Florida. So I know this by heart because we, we had to take a course on this. And so when we receive money for AMRAC anti-bully, which I've talked about before, mm -hmm. uh, if, if we receive money for any other purpose other than anti-bullying, that gets taxed even though we have tax-exempt status. So the same thing, if you're crowdfunding for new office space, that's not necessarily going to be covered under your charter and therefore you'll still have to pay tax on that particular money received or a portion thereof. So I, I hope as, that makes it clear. And as always, as we mentioned in every segment, we are not attorneys nor are we accountants. So the information that we give shouldn't be construed as coming from an attorney or a tax expert. Correct. Definitely consult your tax advisor. Um, Nothing in our you... show is legal advice or tax advice. We are not licensed as tax advisors and neither of us is an attorney, at least not this week. <laughs> <laughs> we will soon have an attorney on the show though, sometime in the next couple of weeks, I would hope. Yep, um, we will. I'm waiting we for will. to get back to me. I guess I get to ask the next question. Yep, let's see. What, let's see, what is the meaning of life? Oh no, that's something else. Um <laughs> Are there other alternative sources to get funds to start or save my company? This question comes from Rohan in New York. All right. So, you know, the most popular one right now is the PPP loans. Um, and so that a lot of people are going after those, but some, some don't qualify. And then, um, you know, it's, it's the other alternative sources. There's grants out there. Um, if you're not a grant writer, though, it's, it might be a little bit of a stretch. Um, so those are kind of hard to go for um, unless you have that expertise or know somebody that can do those type of things. Um, other things that I've heard that are happening um, in Chicago neighborhoods, they're having like a uh, Oak Park here in Chicago, having a 25 takeout. Um, so they're, they're, they're asking all of their, um, you know, people in the community to spend $25 on takeout per week to try to save some of the, uh, the small restaurants or bars that are in their neighborhoods. So those things are great. And if you can get some people behind uh, you know, a big campaign like that and get some, get some initiatives going, I think those, those also help in this, this fight to save these small businesses. So, yeah. Yes, I mean, I love Amazon to death. I say this all the time, I'm a Prime member, but I don't want them to be the only company I can go to for anything. That, that scares me a lot. 
Um, right. Scared me a lot when Walmart started closing up all the small businesses. It scares me mm -hmm. even more now that there's no interaction other than typing something on a screen and all your products are delivered in a box to your door. Uh, it frightens me. Um, and it's not because I don't like technology or the future of how this all works, but we lose something as a society, not having the mom and pop store, not having, you know, private independent small businesses that are right there for you. And you don't have to wait overnight. You just walk down the street, buy what you need and bring it home. Uh, it, it is the way all of us grew up. Even mm -hmm. today's millennials and today's Gen Z people grew up that way too when they were little. Now they've gotten to the point where I, I, I want a soda, Amazon. Mm -hmm. um, what happened to McDonald's? It's right on the corner. I mean, you can get a soda right now. I, I'll wait till tomorrow, but I want it from Amazon. <laughs> I, I don't understand that. I can't comprehend that because the human interactions being taken out of it. And it means a lot. I mean, think back to your childhoods for a moment. I'm going to play a little psychological game on people for this one. If you think back to your childhood, there's a store I guarantee you'll remember that your parents would take you to where they knew the owner's name, where oh, they'd yeah. walk in and you'd hear Mr. Smith, you know, yep. Mr. Smith. Oh, and you brought your wife. So cool. Uh, what can we do for you today? What can I show you? You know, oh, don't worry about that. We're going to knock that down, you know, $100 for you. You're one of our better customers. You can't do that when you're working with an app. <laughs> um, there's nobody there to greet you. You're just looking at a screen. That's what I want. You type in your information. The next thing you know, it's at your door. And human interaction and social etiquette are disappearing. Mm -hmm. This is part mm -hmm. of the reason for all the political change around us is we don't know how to talk to one another anymore. Very, very so true. It's, it scares me. But let me get to Rohan's question. Rohan, there is an infinite amount of sources to getting your business started. There is a semi-infinite amount of ways to save your business. Mm -hmm. uh, funding sources go from banks to private equity firms to individuals to angel investors, which I think is a question coming up next. I'm not sure, mm -hmm. but we're going to get mm -hmm. into that. Um, to crowdfunding, to there's, there's unlimited sources. The SBA is a good place to start just to learn about because they list all the different ways. They actually try to guide you away from themselves by listing other ways for you to get funding because the SBA is a long and convoluted way to get money to start a business. Uh, it's not easy. There are a lot of hoops to jump through. There's a ton of paperwork about yay thick to fill out. But what I suggest, if you're starting a brand new business, you're starting it because you see a need and you want to fill that need. That's why most of us go into business. So if you're starting a business and you find a need and you want to fill that need, go to the people that need your service. This is what Stephen Clava and the Clava Fund are all about. Reach out to the people that need the service or the product you're going to be providing because all of them have a vested interest in making your business happen so that they can get what they're looking for. It's the quickest, easiest, and least expensive way to fund expansion of your company or even the starting of your company. Go to the people that want what you're going to have because they're the ones that want you to succeed so they get what they need. And that's my simplest answer. And I think the best road you can take to getting funding to start your business. Right. I'll pass the ball. <laughs> and, and I will pick up 
like I mentioned in the beginning, I didn't have a whole lot of information on crowdfunding, but as far as funds and uh, business credit and loans, I do. There are so many innovative ways right now. And we're seeing, Adam and I, we see this every day with people coming to us and looking for personal loans or business loans, but people are having to pivot in this pandemic as to how to keep their business afloat. And I have seen so many innovative ways. Oh, there I just made just mine Atlantis. It's easy. I can operate underwater now. <laughs> there you go. I just saw a news segment about um, the calendar of bartenders. Bartenders have created a calendar that they are sending out to their former customers as another source of income. So people are being innovative. They're finding ways to keep their business afloat. Um, as you know, I have a separate marketing consulting company as well. And people are coming to us and they're pivoting and they're putting their business online now more than ever, but they don't know how to make a social presence for themselves. So um, I offer social media management and that's booming right now because it's helping people make that pivot to how they can advertise a little bit differently and gain a bigger audience online. So uh, definitely things that can be done for business funding. Last so, two cents. <laughs> yeah, and I think I'll add to that, like, I think a lot of small businesses are really finding out that the, uh, you know, the social media is important and that they need to have a presence on all these platforms or not all of them because it's really too much, but on the ones that they should be on, they should be on and, and giving good content. And then when they do need an ask such as this, then, then it's easier to do. Mm -hmm. yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it's real simple to figure out which ones you should be on. I mean, just as a general statement, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Snapchat are good places for you to be on because they have the most viewership. The Twitter is too short. Sometimes you'll need a message that's more than 140 characters. Plus, it's not picked up as much. Things get retweeted, but you have to talk in slogans on Twitter. But mm -hmm. on the other three, you really get to get your message across. So you should at least be on those three uh, as your primaries and then branch from there. Um, yeah as far as social media goes. And uh, if you're really interested in a platform that can help you do your social media marketing without you having to learn all the ins and outs, USFA has a marketing division. Give me a call. I'll get you hooked up. I'll explain it to you. And for less than $100 a month, all you'll have to do is click three times to do all your social media posting. That's it. Yep. Exactly. Our, our artificial intelligence will, will do all the work for you so you don't have to think about it. But the next thing you know, you have an ad on Facebook, you have an ad on Instagram, you have an ad on wherever you want it to go. I think we have like 74 different social media platforms available to the yeah. AI at this point. All right, Kim, question number four. Um, I'm excited to hear the answer for this one. What are angel investors? This is from Chrissy in Ohio. Well, that's easy. People who invest in halos and wings. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to go first, Stephen? And bring you buckets of money, right? Um, so <laughs> you, you can think of an angel investor as, you know, your aunt or uncle that has enough money that they don't know what to do with it. So you can go to them and ask them for money to invest in something, right? Um, and typically an angel investor is going to get a piece of equity. So you're going to have to involve some lawyers and stuff like that um, to, to actually get this transaction completed. 
but and then so other angel investors out there, it's they kind of call it the seed funding or stuff like that, where they are they're not quite VC. They don't get you into a contract um, that's really um, in a VC type of way, but they look to see if you're going to be something big or a bigger company and help you grow. And the VCs, you know, the the, the the angel investors usually are a little bit easier to deal with, a little bit easier. You don't have to be quite as much traction in your business. So when you go to a VC, for instance, you need a lot of traction and you need to show your growth charts and you need to show all this great stuff that you're doing. Okay, wait, I just want to pause one second. I just sure. want to clarify, VC stands for venture capitalist people. Okay, yeah, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, That's venture- okay, I just want to make sure they understand because it's, it's integral to what you're saying. And, and so it's, uh, you know, VC- I'll be back in one moment. VC or venture capitalists and angels are, you know, it, they're very close to the same thing. But angels, angels can be also, you know, like a, a family round. It can be angel investors to your business. So if you if you have, uh, if you want to ask your family, you know, each for you know five grand from you know five of your members of your family to get uh, some funding to start your business, then that's a way to go about it, and that, that would be considered like an angel investment. And they could either take some type of equity or they don't. So it, it really is up to that uh, contract that you sign with them. Um, to get that money, but angel angel investments kind of nice. As far as so sorry about that. Sometimes angels, sometimes angels are really angels, and they don't care if they get paid back. Um, you know, and mm-hmm. that, that's probably more like your uncle or your aunt. Um, and then there's there's going to be the angels that you know do kind of want to make sure that you're doing the right things, and will kind of actually become like a consultant and help you out. Sometimes you know you could probably call them up and ask them. How to do their mar- how to do some marketing or, and, and, and help you so I think it's it's a good way to go if you have contacts to those angels if you do mm-hmm. not know any angel then it's going to be a little bit more difficult yeah foot in the door okay. is tough to get I missed a lot of that but that's okay I, I actually know a lot about this in fact most people do if you've ever watched Shark Tank you know a little bit about angel investing mm-hmm. the five sharks they have on that stage are both venture capitalists and angel investors at the same time because uh, they get to turn people down. So, you know, they, they have the ability. So an angel investor, Stephen hit the nail right on the head. I heard 99% of what he said. I, I apologize, but we had a little bit of an emergency here at the studio. Apparently not the whole studio is black like this. Um, <laughs> I found that out when I turned the corner over here. Uh, but angel investors are very important. Some of our favorite products in the world came to market thanks to angel investors, things like Mm -hmm. the Swiffer. The Swiffer never would have made it to production without an angel investor behind it. So if you have a good idea, here's the fun thing. Everyone thinks of Shark Tank. Yes, there's a waiting list of 36 years to get in front of the sharks. So you're not going to get in front of Mark Cuban and, and the rest of them that easily. But there are groups that do exactly what the Shark Tank does in every single state in this country. And I mean that all 50 states have groups like the Shark Tank, more than one per state. Some states like New York and California have 20 or 30 groups like this, where Mm -hmm. if you have an idea, they'll give you an appointment and you'll have 10 minutes to prove to them that you're worth their investment. And just like the sharks do, they will be hands-on investors. Like Stephen was just saying, they want to make sure they get the return on their investment. So they're going to open doors for you with their clout. And that's more important sometimes than the money is. 
because getting your foot in the door, getting your product on the shelf at Target and Walmart can be a lot more important than, than having the money to make the product. The money to make the product, a lot of times that can be done on credit and you just pay it back once you sell. It's called consignment. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, so that's, that's how that all works. Angel investors are a wonderful thing. It's just they're not so easy to convince. They, they, they want to jump in to sure things. That's their whole reason why they have the money to invest is they don't take on things that aren't sure things. They're going to look at your market share compared to the rest of the market share for what you're doing. They're going to look at your profit margin selling it door to door the way you started out to do your test run. And they're going to mm-hmm. look at your trials and your errors and how much you've earned and what your profit margin is and whether or not they stand to make a big profit by buying 5, 10, 15, 20, up to 50% of your company. Right, right. Most important thing, I'm going to give it to you in a second, Kim. The most important thing that you can always remember is when you have an angel investor, never, ever, ever give up more control to your investors than you have. I can introduce you to people I can introduce you to two brothers called Winklevoss that will tell you this. Never, ever give up more than 50% of your company. In fact, don't even give up 50. Cap it at 49. You should always, if you thought of the product and you're the one willing to take the risk bringing it to market, always maintain a 51% interest in your company or it won't be your company forever. And that's exactly what I was going to touch on is when you have these angel investors, it is a huge conversation as to expectations. What are you giving up to have these angel investors? So um, definitely do your research, have your business plan, review the business plan and make sure that everybody is on the same page when you have your angel investors. And I'd like to add to that is that when you go to these, uh, you know, investors, they're really looking for you to have uh, spend that money towards growth. So they're more excited about your marketing plan than, you know, like you said, getting the product on the, you know, in in your inventory or you know, or finishing the product. They want to. They want to. You know, they they'll they'll spend some money on finishing a product if you need some features to make it better, but they really want to spend money on marketing so that you can actually get your product out there and start making revenue from it. So that's where they're, they're really looking for you to right. go. They're looking for a revenue stream and you have an idea that can produce that revenue. And Kevin O'Leary is, is a perfect example of that because that man never would have been rich if it wasn't for his software design. Right. So, you know, I mean, it's, but now, now, you know, he's just floating on a couple of billion dollars of wealth <laughs> and he'll be floating there forever because he knows how to reinvest it and always make a return. He's the first to turn people down on Shark Tank. He's turned down some really good investments that others on the team have, you know, grabbed and made lots of money with, but he did it for good reason. He has the ability to say, not my thing. I don't want to invest in that, even though I know it probably will make a profit. Not for me. He, he right. does what he wants to do. And we all want to get to that, that point. We all want to be mm-hmm. at the point in our lives where we can do what we want to do instead of what we have to do. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think we have one more question. We do. We do. All right. So I'm going my... to give it to you. Okay. So this is from Jessica in Mississippi. 
How do I get started running a crowdfund campaign? I leave this to our <laughs> guest. All right, I'll take the hard ones here. Um, the, uh, so yeah, it really depends on where you're going to take your crowdfunding campaign. So, you know, you can start a GoFundMe, you can start a Clava fund and for both of those campaigns, you know, the GoFundMe that you kind of have to explain to GoFundMe, you know, and build a website on their site of why you need the money, right? And that kind of, and they do a little bit of, you know, you can, people can browse GoFundMe to find your things, but really GoFundMe and, and, and me are relying upon you to do the marketing for it. So uh, for me, starting the campaign is the easiest part because I just, basically you create a hashtag and you hook up your bank account in your account in my app and you're ready to go. So at, from that point, you can plan out your attack of which social networks you're gonna go after. What is that story gonna be that you're going to really capture people's interest in wanting to give to your campaign? Um, as far as the uh, more like arduous crowdfunding campaigns out there would be the Kickstarters or the Indiegogos. And that's where you really have to come up with prizes and different levels of people giving you different levels of money. And then you have to continually have a, uh, uh, a drip campaign out there. And I think for those to be really successful these days, they actually have to spend money in marketing, you know, in Facebook ads and Instagram ads and to try to get their campaign out there. Um, so they actually have to have, um, you know, unless you have a huge social network or you know somebody really famous um, that can kind of just blow you up, you kind of have to take that message out there and, and you may take some money to, to get that going. So those, those, are, those are the, they're a little bit harder, but they, they can be good um, as well. And as far as the, the crowdfunding for, let's say you, if you're raising for equity, um, I haven't dealt a lot with those because like I said, they just haven't taken off in popularity. And so I, I haven't seen them as a huge competitor to what I'm going after. So, but they are the similar that you would have to create the campaign and then it's up to you to make it popular. So, right. And it's up to you to designate how much of a donation gives you equity. Um, yeah. So I, I totally get that. I'm going to, I'm going to take this one step before where Steven took it. So I'm going to get to the, the why, because um, that question sort of implies, why am I doing it? Mm -hmm. in, in my opinion, anyway. So, you know, uh, Jessica, I'm glad you asked this. How do you get started with a crowdfund? You get started by planning. You get started by sitting down and saying, where do I need to be for what I'm visioning to work? Because whether it's, it's Steven's platform or whether it's GoFundMe or Indiegogo or Kickstarter or whatever the campaign may be, there's about, there's about two dozen of the really big ones out there if you really search them. Uh, give or take 20 to 25 really solid programs where people visit, where you get enough visual uh, that you actually might raise the money you're looking for. That being said, uh, my, I, I can't go through an episode without saying those words. Uh, that being said, start by writing it all down. Get a clear vision in your head. I need X in order to cover the expense for Y. Once you know what you need, it becomes much easier to get your marketing, your strategy put together because then it becomes part of your story. So if I was starting Adam's eyeglasses, 
All right. And I was going to do something unique with my eyeglasses, whatever it may be. Um, I'm going to write down what my, what my new product is going to be. And I'm going to write down, I need $20,000 in order to make this business happen. Once I have that, I just build my story that Stephen was talking about, my marketing around those needs. I was sitting in my chair watching TV when I realized that if I had tiny little flaps in the corners, my peripheral vision would be as good as my frontal vision. And now I'm making glasses with those tiny mirrors in the corner, amplifying your peripheral vision. It's great for driving as well. It means you don't have to keep turning your head as much. So it's great for driving as well. And this new product is going to take the eyeglass market by storm. And I need $20,000 to produce the first 500 pairs to do a test marketing trial. I just gave you my whole story because I sat down and knew what I needed and, and wrote my, my script or whatever you want to call it around what I needed. Mm-hmm. So, so to me, that's where you start. You start with your idea and putting it down on paper so that you can look at it as though you're the person who you want to show it to. And then everything Stephen said is the next step to make it a reality because it's still a concept until you take that step to make your concept a reality. And it's people like Stephen and the Clava Fund or GoFundMe or Kickstarter or Indiegogo or uh, some, there's, there's a PayPal version of this, believe it or not. There's a whole bunch of these, um, but, but they're useless unless you know where you're trying to get to. So like we talked about with uh, Angel a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. make your plan. Because without your yes. plan, you're running left, you're running right, and you're out of energy before you ever find your middle. You want your energy to be on that middle. You want to move forward. You never want to stand still. Standing still is moving backwards because the world is always going forwards. And this partners beautifully with our segment on small business and entrepreneurship. This is exactly, this is that missing piece to that segment. So this is amazing. And I'm anxious to hear more about your company. And I saw your video as to how easy it was to actually create a campaign. You can create a campaign on your app in a matter of less than a minute from what I saw. So let's talk a little bit more about your company and how easy it is to actually create that. Yeah, so, you know, I, I, I wanted to create the app that was so easy to create a campaign um, that there's no excuse why. So a lot of GoFundMes, you, you'll hear like, oh, my cousin, we had my cousin create the campaign and on GoFundMe. And I'm like, well, why, why does your cousin have to start it? Well, because it's kind of hard, you know, and, and I wanted to just take that out of the equation. Like, hey, let's make a fund. And all you have to do is think of a hashtag for your fund. And, and that's, that's actually the hardest part in creating a fund on my platform is figuring out what hashtag you want to use. And, and that's the antithesis of it started. And then that's when you can start making those plans. But what I find when I do demos, like people get ideas once they create that. And it's so easy to do that. So they, they, they didn't, they come to me like in the demo and they go, you mean, that's it. That's all I have to do. And my funds ready. And I'm like, yeah, it's ready. So you, you know, you can now get uh, anywhere between $5 and $20 million plus 
depending on how good your marketing is or how good your story is and how well you can get it out to the world. Um, so like great stories get great funding. Um, so for instance, we had a family here in, in Evanston, Illinois that their house burnt down two days before Christmas. I saw this video. It's mm-hmm. on your website, I believe. The yeah. Story. And, 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 you know, and that's, it, you know, it's a tragedy, but it's a great story. And that, that fund, we made a claim of fund for, and it's, it's a great story that people, you know, throughout the whole community started giving. And one guy gave his whole paycheck. Um, and then he, he also got a bunch of uh, debit cards to give to them that he just gave to him. And he, and he didn't give, he, you know, he didn't go through the claim of fund to give over his paycheck. He just went over and handed his paycheck to him. Uh, kind of signed it over. So, um, and, you know, it was such a great story that it actually got on the evening news with Lester Holt. So, you know, I saw that. Yep. You know, that's, that's really powerful. And, and that's when you can get, to, you know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of funding for whatever cause you're doing. So, yeah, but, but, you know, taking it down and just making it easy to that, to do that first step is, you know, just kind of the thing that I think is, is a little bit different in my app. And I think it, it's powerful because people then go, oh, well, then I can use this for this and this and this. And, and, they, and they see the pop- possibilities of a, crowd, a crowdfunding type of mentality. Now, on your app, can I do a search for various hashtags? So you can't, I don't have any browsing feature or way to see what funds are out there. And I did that on purpose. Um, because I don't want any um, hackers or spammers to try to go after my fund owners to try to scam them or try to figure out um, who gave to them and then try to give and try to try to try to do some reverse engineering to figure it out and right, or shadow uh, marketing in order to pretend they're part of the same group or yeah so to be able to find a, a fund you have to have you, you have to have like some personal you know, you have to know them on Instagram or you have to know them on Facebook and, and you see the fund and you, or you see them in the newspaper, you know, you see, that's how you should see the hashtags. And that's how, that's how the marketing should work and flow through crowdfunding is that the supporters and the supporter networks then can put it out there. That um, is so that's, awesome. That's kind of the, what I'm relying on. And, and, and it does kind of keep the trolls away from, from my platform. Mm-hmm. Which is wonderful and which is why you might see Kim and I coming to the Clava Fund. Um, we discussed this already before we even had you on as a guest. Uh, we'd love to be able to expand our network. And we know that we have a lot of uh, followers at this point, a lot of viewers. We've gotten some amazing – we get more que- – I don't know how it is we only have X number, and I won't say the number, of viewers because we get 50 times the amount of questions that we have viewers, and they're from different people. They're not coming from the same email addresses. So <laughs> apparently roommates are viewing but not liking, and, and you know they're watching it together, but then they're both going in their rooms and emailing us questions. And nice. we, we get questions like you wouldn't believe. We just – our viewership is steady and it's low. We're not pushing because we're not – technologically advanced yet we plan to get more advanced i want to build a library and it's it's people like you steven and, and angel cerna who came on um, and tony palella and and you know i want to thank all the people that have been on our show so far but we're just getting warmed up and we're gonna have oh, a library yeah. of by the end of the year of 50 to 100 videos and at that point then I'll throw some real heavy marketing at it because there's a library so just because you come here and that first couple of videos is not for you when you go through our library, there's going to be something in there that's going to help you 
whoever you may be. Um, whether well, it's I can... understanding credit, buying a home, starting a business, doing the crowdfunding, on and on and on. There's over a million different things that relate to your financial health. Go ahead, Kim. I'm and sorry. I can, I can guarantee that a huge part of our audience can benefit from this segment. And one of the things that I saw on the website, Stephen, if you can uh, give us more information, is the ambassador program. Can you explain a little bit more about that? Yeah, so that's my secret weapon. Um, <laughs> the, um, the, the ambassador program is uh, a gig economy thing. So you don't have to drive an, a, a glorified taxi anymore to get money. So um, you can actually sign up as an ambassador for the Clava Fund and tell people how to use it. And you know it's super easy to do that because you just have to tell them how to create a hashtag, uh, essentially. Um, but you help somebody, you know, kind of tell them how to create that hashtag. And then you can give them clues on to how to, I, I would say my ambassadors, I would like them to try to uh, tell them how to do the marketing or how to do the PR, or, you know, like go to your newspapers, go to your media outlets. If you have a really good story, they'll pick it up and, and your fund will be much more successful. So the ambassadors, um, what they get is they get $25 of the uh, the first of the service fees after they sign up for and register a fund. So you, you sign up as an ambassador and then you have to register the funds that you are the ambassador for, that you helped create. And then you get the $25 of the first service fees are yours. And then if the fund hits 10K uh, in donations, then you get a $300 bonus. So it's a way to make money on my app. Um, and, and it's the first of, I think of all the funding apps that ha have done that. So. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely so my... You created a, a marketing wing to a, uh, well, more than a marketing wing, but it's a marketing wing to a crowdfunding source. And it's interesting. Yeah. It's uh, just another gig job in a way. I mean, like, like you heard me doing earlier, it's, it's knowing how to write a little bit of copy and, and to get your story out there and teaching someone how to create a unique, if possible, I don't even know it's possible anymore. There are so many hashtags out there, but if you can create a unique hashtag, God bless you. You, you are someone I want doing writing my copy. <laughs> yeah. So the unique hashtag, like uh, I'll just to kind of explain that it's, it's unique to my platform. So you can use cash. No, I, I understand that. But, but I, I, I just, some people do get confused on that, but they like, I can't use any other hashtag that anybody's ever used. Like, no, no, no. It's, it's, it's unique to the platform. And then, but yeah, like, uh, you know, so your cousin that creates your fund for you um, can now get some cash, you know, for doing it. For helping you. <laughs> that, yeah. Kind of, kind of, Without you, know, you spending out of your pocket for it. Yeah. Or, in, or you know, it's a second income for other people, too. I think that's, sure. that's interesting. Uh, everybody outside, has a side hustle these days. Oh, yeah. But outside of the ambassador program, I can think of so many projects that this can benefit. And I'll be putting you in touch with quite a few people okay. that can use this. Um, but I think it's absolutely amazing. You're doing a phenomenal thing, Mr. Kleba. Um, unbelievable. So I'm excited well, to share this. That brings us back to his crusade, which is saving as many small businesses during the pandemic as he can. I mean, that's, that's the whole reason he's here today. Uh, is to get that message out there. If you're a small business and you're you're suffering and you can't figure out because the PPP is giving you, you know, your rent is $6,000, but the PPP wrote you a $2,500 check supposed to hold you over for six months. 
um, which is what they did for me and my business, which that's all I got. I got $2,500 and that was back in May. And they think I'm fine. You know, that 2,500 is going to last my business 30 years. Apparently Mm -hmm. it didn't last 30 minutes. (laughs) I paid my back rent and I paid my electric and that was it. It was gone. (laughs) So the PPP is not something you can depend on unless you're a large, small business, Um, 50 employees or more, they're going to give you a very nice chunk of money and it may actually help you. But for everyone else, that's not getting a six digit PPP check. You got to go check out the Clava fund. Um, He wants to help you. He wants you to succeed. Therefore it's even more effective than say GoFundMe would be. Because GoFundMe is just too broad to, to literally narrow it down to we want small businesses to go and, and succeed. Now, before we go, we always kind of do a fun fact with our guest. And I do a little studying to come up with that. And right before we started taping, I was talking to Stephen about this, which is one of the first things he did with this before it became a crusade to help small businesses. He was actually trying to find a cashless way to help the homeless get the funding they needed for warm meals and warm places to sleep. And I commend him for that because that's where this began. That was the first thing it was used for. And I'm going to let him talk about that just a little bit because it's still used for that from what I understand, from what I read on your website. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely a use case that, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I built the, the idea of the Clayla fund came from that. And it's, you know, the, the digital transaction society that everybody's, you know, experiencing today where you don't carry cash, like you may not have any cash on you. And so the people that hurts the most are the homeless that are trying to get cash, you know, cash donations and, you know, some nonprofits do it on the street, um, you know, try to get change on the streets as well. But but for primarily, you know, it's it's the homeless. Most famous of those would be the Salvation Army, just as an example. Salvation mm-hmm. Army, for mm-hmm. instance. And uh, but truthfully, you know, it's it's hard for people. You know, they can be walking on the street, see a homeless person, and they and they reach their pocket. And they're like, oh, I just have my credit card. So I wanted to create uh, the Clayla Fund as an easy way for somebody to create an initiative and have a QR code um, that they could hold up so that they could. Um, scan scan a QR code and give you know five dollars to a homeless person that they see on the street super easy so I did um, you know it, it came from those lines the uh, I, I will be honest that that use case for the truly chronically homeless is is not very well like it's not really fixed in my app I didn't fix that problem and it really isn't a, it's because because they have problems with they don't have a bank account or they don't have a debit card or they don't have a phone. So all the things that are kind of like needed for me, the, the place where I really think my, um, unfortunately, I think there'll be a lot of these people, but fortunately I have my app is newly homeless people. So newly homeless people, you know, they have a bank account, they have a phone, they have all this, they have everything in place to be able to create a claim of fund and start getting donations to try to keep them out of being homeless for a long time. Right. So the temporarily homeless, you know, Mm -hmm. those that just got evicted, don't know where they're going to go yet, but have the ability to accept the funds. That's where the creation came from. Now you just created a hole for a great nonprofit to come into business. Uh, I don't know if you even realize what you just did. We have a chronic homelessness crisis in this country. We really do. Um, Having lived in New York city, I've seen it firsthand Kim has seen it living just outside of LA. 
Stephen, I don't think you realized it, but you just created the need for a new nonprofit. Um, mm -hmm. The new nonprofit would be designed to help the chronically homeless. And as a nonprofit organization, and it's something I, I'd think about if I had more time, but as it is, I, I work 23 hours and 30 minutes a day, sleep 15 minutes and eat 15 minutes. So I really have no more time on my schedule, but I'm about to put an idea into thousands of people's heads that is an amazingly good idea, which is create a brand new nonprofit partner with the Clava Fund. When you start your nonprofit, make sure you set up your special purpose account, your account for your nonprofit with sub accounts and allow chronically homeless people to apply for help with your nonprofit where you will create a sub account in your nonprofits. And I've seen this done. I know it can be done. Sub accounts for each of these people. Now they don't actually have a bank account. All they are is a user for a small portion of the nonprofit's bank account, which then the QR codes and the hashtags can be set up to go into the sub account, meaning that these homeless people would be able to accept those donations. And I know as a nonprofit that if you went to Motorola or LG or a lot of these, you'd be able to get God knows how many cell phones with limited services for these homeless people. And you could literally as a nonprofit be able to hand those out and help these people get back on their feet with a little bit of money and a cell phone they now have the ability to start looking for actual work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there you go. I see, you know, this is how my brain works as a business strategist. I see the road to a beautiful relationship with a homeless nonprofit that would work really well in partnering with your fund. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm open to talking to people about those type of things because I, I, you know, it is a really um, use case that I think needs, needs to happen and, you know, and, and people, people will give if, if, if they, if it's easy to do it. So. All right. All right. So on that note, I cannot say thank you enough, Stephen, for making time to be with us this week. Um, we're only too glad to help promote your fund. We believe that it's doing great work in both mm -hmm. uh, helping out, you know, the non-chronically homeless, which it continues to do, but more importantly, helping save small businesses. Small businesses are the lifeblood of America, and we go to a corporatocracy if they disappear. Uh, corporations already own half of our government. Let's just be honest. It's not a conspiracy theory. Um, if, if Robin Williams said it best, may he rest in peace, one of my favorite comedians of all time, that senators and congresspeople should have to come in like NASCAR drivers wearing a suit of who their sponsors are, because it would just be amazing how many you'd see on each person's suit. Yeah. You know. Uh, whether whether it be Democrat or Republican, doesn't even matter. They're all sponsored by companies that pay their way. And it just becomes more blatant with the disappearance of the counterbalance of voices that don't pay to play. Those that just are looking for fairness in, in the way businesses run. It's already a shame that businesses are very expensive to get started, which is very prohibitive. Um, people even complain about lemonade stands these days. Now, when I was a kid, any kid could have a lemonade stand and no cop was going to shut it down, but we can all go to YouTube and watch co cops shutting down lemonade stands all over the country. They don't have a health department regulation sticker. Uh, where's your business license to be selling the product? Uh, it's lemonade for God's sakes. You know, uh, it just shoveling snow. Two kids were busted 
for shoveling snow in New York City. That's how I made a living as a teenager in New York City. I had a good shovel and I would help cars get out for 10 bucks and I'd shovel an entire walkway for 20. This was the entrepreneur mindset back when I was a kid. Now they want you to have a license to shovel snow. Yep. And to pay taxes on the 20 bucks that the poor old woman gives you. Yep. Meanwhile, Amazon pays $0 in taxes. No, yep. it's wrong. I'm sorry. I know I grandstand every week, but it's wrong. <laughs> How do you expect people to have an entrepreneurial spirit when you crush it in a garbage compactor yep. and you make it prohibitive for, for people with good ideas to get going? And so, yeah, I commend you, Stephen. What you're doing is going to help a lot of small businesses get off the ground, but more importantly, those that already established themselves that are being crushed by the fact that people can't come into their stores or, or order their services, their food in restaurants. I know that restaurants are a big thing for you. Um, uh, helping them stay there, helping them survive till the pandemic finally subsides later this year. And they can get back to, something near what used to be normal. So yeah, I commend you on, on all the good work you're doing and, and we're, we're honored to have you as, an, guest, as a guest this week. Yes, right. I'm so excited to bring this to our audience. Yeah, and thank you for having me. I think, you know, you got a great show here and I think you're, you, guys, you guys are helping thousands of people and you don't know it. Like you said, you get, you get emails from people you don't know that were on the show and, and I think you are, so. Well, we try. We, we want people to understand the game. See, it's you sit down at a table to play Monopoly and you've never played before and you're playing three people that have won U.S. championships in the game. Why bother sitting down? Know the rules of the game and at least you have a chance of success. And that's how Kim and I look at our show every week is teaching people the rules of the game. This week, mm -hmm. the rules were about crowdfunding. Uh, last week, it was about credit repair, and we've done one bankruptcy from the eyes of someone who went bankrupt, and we're about to do another bankruptcy episode in a couple of weeks from the attorney's point of view, the actual bankruptcy attorney, and who should and shouldn't even think about bankruptcy. And we just want to get everyone the rules of the game. The banks know the rules, the collection agencies know the rules, and only one in a thousand people of the general public know the rules. Yep. So we're just trying to so, even the playing field. <laughs> yep. And if any of our audience has questions, anything financial, all they have to do is send us an email at questions at cruising into a better financial future. That's cruising, C-R-U-Z-I-N, into a better financial future. And we, Adam and I go through our thousands and thousands of questions and pull those out depending on what our topic is and when we read them on our episode so have any we, li we live for cruising us. we live for cruising <laughs> cruising into a better financial future.com questions at of course down below you'll find that the questions email along with all of the Quava funds information uh, you'll find a link to the article we spoke of today we don't always mm -hmm. throw that article up there but this time i'm putting the link to the article because if any woman out there is in an abusive relationship get some help. No one's telling you you have to leave or hurt your other, your, your partner, but you need to get some help for yourself, just for yourself, just so you can think clearly. I, I am a very strong proponent 
of women's advocacy. And Kim knows this better than anyone. She's seen some of the work I've done. Um, I, I, I'm very proud to be the only male on several women's empowerment group websites. Um, and that is because I, I do not believe in male or female superiority. I believe in human superiority. And if you're human, whether you're male, female, black, white, pink, purple, or LGBTQ+, doesn't matter. You're still human. And humans in general are superior. There's a reason. We think more than any other animal on the planet. Therefore, no one is better than anyone else. And we should all have the same resources available to us. That's me. Yeah, call me, call me whatever you want. Socialist, communist, uh, whatever you want. I, I don't <laughs> believe in socialism or communism, but I do believe in equality. And bottom line, that's what we do. We bring resources and tips and tricks <laughs> to help our audience do what? <laughs> cruise into a better financial future. Sounds like so, fun. Can we cruise somewhere warmer though? I mean, I'm in Arizona and it's 38 degrees. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty chilly out here in California too. So... Yeah, Steven, thank you so much. Yeah, Jill, thank I you. greatly appreciate you and the topic that you bring to the table. And I know it'll be shared amongst many people. All right. Thank you. All right. So until next time, we'll see you when we keep going cruising into a better financial future. Everyone have a great week. We'll see you next week. Sounds good. Bye-bye. Thank you for being a part of Cruising Into a Better Financial Future. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. We'll see you next time. Bye.